Be still my soul. That is one of my favorite hymns. I cannot sing it to save my life. I love it when other people sing it. I love listening to that song. I I love the words to that song because the words to that song are so very powerful and so very appropriate for the Christian life, for our lives in this world. Amen. I've not been outside for a while, so maybe... What's, what's the weather doing right now? Muggy. Fair enough. Yeah, when I came in this morning, it was kind of dreary, kind of rainy. It looks brighter out there now, so it's fair to say maybe the weather is changing throughout the day today, right? You like the weather? You like talking about the weather? i got to tell you, before I became a pastor, and now that I've been a pastor for a very, very long time, I had no idea getting into this that I would spend so much time talking about the weather and worrying about the weather and calming the worries of others about the weather and praying about the weather. And I do pray about the weather on a fairly regular basis. For example... Are you dreaming of a white Christmas? Are you? Because I am not. When Christmas comes, I pray for about 60 degrees and sunny. Because let's be honest here, folks, if we get snow on Christmas Eve, some of you might not come to church. And I'm biased, but I happen to think we have pretty good things planned for you, planned for worship on Christmas Eve. We make a big fuss. We bring out all the bells, all the whistles. These people, these musicians... Our choirs, our volunteers work very hard to make Christmas awesome. And, oh, there's there's church next week. Oh, we can have Christmas another year. It's a big deal to me. I'm sorry. I'll pray for a white Christmas for you if you want, but I'm going to pray it starts any time in the afternoon of December 25th. Easter. Are you praying for a white Easter? You need to pray for a green Easter. Because the same thing, if we get snow on Easter, some of you may not come. And Easter's a big deal. We work very hard. It's, a big, it's awesome. Holy Week Easter. Since I've been here, it has never snowed on Easter. This year, remember, it snowed the day after. We just missed it. We dodged the weather bullet. Thanks be to God. Amen. Weddings. Do you remember your wedding day? How was the weather? Snow? Mr. Detling, your Mrs. Detling says snow. Is that true? Yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. I wish you had some great pictures, right? Ah. Generally speaking, most couples that I talk to, and I've done about 160 weddings here at the church or so, give or take uh, five or three or whatever. Um, generally speaking, couples who get married, they want a nice day. You know, not too hot, not too cold. Just right, 73.6 degrees. No rain, no snow, clear blue skies. And every so often, you know, I'll talk to the couples, and the couples will be planning the ceremony, and the couples will express their desire for good weather to me. And the bride and the groom, but oftentimes the bride, will say something to me along the lines, this is every so often, Pastor Browning, I, I know you have an in with God. Can you use your in with God and pray that it doesn't rain on our wedding day. Just for the record, folks, I have no in with God. I have no unique in with God. You're just as in with God as I am. And just so you know, I prayed on my wedding day for good weather, 
And on my wedding day, May 27th of 2000, the heavens opened and God unleashed his fury <laughs> on our event. <laughs> and, you know, I guess, you know, it rained on my wedding day and I, and I it still worked out, folks. That's the thing. I, I think it worked out great. My wife is shaking her head at me. I don't know what that means. But, you know, I've done rain, I've done snow, I, I've done cold, I've done hot, and whatever happens, they're always married at the end of the ceremony. Right? The weather. So what? What is the weather? Well, the weather is a reminder that there are things in this universe bigger than us, beyond us. There are things in this life that we simply cannot control. And if you've been coming these last several weeks, you may know we are in the midst of a sermon series based on the book of Jonah. And as you know, as you may remember, the story of Jonah very much hinges on the weather. And I've told the story the last couple of weeks. I apologize. I'm going to tell it again. Just the premise. How does the story start? Well, the story starts, God calls Jonah to be a prophet, to proclaim his word to the people in a far-off land, another nation, the nation of Assyria, the city of Nineveh. God says to Jonah, go east to another nation and tell these people about me and how I'm feeling about them. And Jonah doesn't want to do this. So Jonah does not go east. What does Jonah do? He goes west. He rejects his call from God. He rejects the assignment. He rejects, through his actions, God himself. His intentions are to live a life apart from God and his mind, not worry about these roles, not worry about these tasks, not worry about these calls, these Ninevites, and in his mind, live happily ever after. So he goes west, he goes to the port, he gets in a boat. The boat seems nice, the crew seems able, he jumps in this boat, he heads west to live to his happily ever after, a place called Tarshish, and on that boat... He's so relaxed. This plan makes so much sense to him. What does he do? Falls asleep. And while Jonah is sleeping, do you remember what happened? The weather changed. The big storm came. And when I say big storm, I mean big storm. The waves were ginormous. The wind was ferocious. The water was the size of softballs or so. I don't know. It was bad. And on that boat, panic ensued. And they were able sailors. But the thing was, no matter how hard they rowed, no matter how much stuff they threw over the side, no matter how much skill they exercised against those conditions, the storm was beyond them. It was unstoppable. They couldn't do anything about it, except stare death in the face. And so they did. And throughout all this chaos, all this turmoil, in this moment of life and death, what was Jonah doing? Sleeping. And so he was roused from sleep. And he saw the world collapsing around them. And Jonah said, yeah, this is my fault. God wanted me to do something. God had plans for me. God called me to go to Nineveh. And I have other plans. I fled from God. And so this is God 
calling me back. This is God rejecting my other plans. There's nothing you can do. No one can stop this storm except God himself. But I think I might know what to do. Throw me over the side of the boat and the storm will stop. And eventually, inevitably, those kind-hearted sailors had to throw him over the boat. And once Jonah hit that water, the water went calm. The storm stopped. The wind ceased. Jonah was sacrificed to save that crew. And of course, there's more to the story, but we'll stop there today. You've heard that story now, or a lot of you have heard that story now, three weeks in a row. Does that story sound in any way similar to one of our readings for this morning? Yes. Our gospel lesson for today, set 700 years after Jonah fell into that water. Once again, 700 years later, we find ourselves on a boat in calm seas. And once again, we see the weather change rapidly, dramatically. We see panic ensue. We see fear and chaos. We see desperation And finally, the men on that boat, they come to the realization they are staring in the face of death. It all sounds familiar, but there's more. Once again, on that boat, 700 years later, we see a man sleeping. By the way, that's a pretty exceptional gift, right? The gift of sleep. Does anybody have the gift of sleep? I do not have the gift of sleep. My children make the slightest noise. They move. And I am wide awake. But he was asleep. And it was exceptional. And he was exceptional. That sleeping man. I suppose on the surface, he didn't seem that exceptional. He's a son of a carpenter. But there was so much more to him. The son of a carpenter, the associate of fishermen and tax collectors, a friend to the outcast, to the downtrodden, a friend to the sinner, a friend to those who had been overlooked, rejected by society. And he was wise. He was a teacher. He was a philosopher. He was a sage. His words dripped with wisdom, and with mercy. He was exceptional in every sense. But of all the moments, how could he sleep at a time like that? His friends were desperate. His friends were scared. Life as they knew it seemed to be ending. The world was collapsing around them. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have any answer for this uncontrollable force of nature that seemingly came out of nowhere. And they yelled out, Don't you care that we are perishing? And as we read and hear in our gospel for today, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm with a word. A word. The wind ceased. And there was calm. What came out of nowhere, what was beyond them, what was uncontrollable, 
now under control. Because the man who spoke those words was so much more than just an exceptional man. He was and is the one true God, the one and only God. He speaks, and the blind have their sight again. He speaks, and the sick are healed. He speaks, and the lame walk because he has power. He has the power to calm that storm. He has the power to walk on the water. But brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, make no mistake, that's small potatoes compared to what this Jesus can do, to what this Jesus has already done. Because the parallels to Jonah don't end there. Because just like Jonah, Jesus would be cast aside, sacrificed for the sake of others, thrown over the boat, so to speak, thrown into the chaos, into the tumult, into the uncertainty, thrown down into this world, the one who controls everything, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in it, now under the control of sinful human beings. And he came, and his life means this. Do what you have to do. Do anything you need to do to me. And we sure did. Sinful human beings. All of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings, all of our ugliness, all of our evil, we unleashed it on him. And he bore that sin on his shoulders, and we killed him. Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus died to save the rest of us. But brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, the thing about Jesus, his power is only beginning. Because the thing about Jesus, for death, for him, for death, Death was only falling asleep. Three days later, Jesus woke up from death to reassert his divine authority, his control over the forces of this universe. Jesus has control. Jesus has authority. The authority of God himself. The control of God himself. And I don't know about you, but when I talk about control, when I think about control... It's a very frustrating topic because I don't have very much. I like to think I do. I like to fool myself into a false sense of complacency. But then the weather changes, so to speak. And I am reminded that there are so many things that are beyond me. There are so many things that I can't stop, that I can't change, that I can't fix. And that leads to rage. That leads to stress. That leads to fear. And I am afraid. I am afraid of so many things. Because I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. When the storm comes. And there's nothing you can do about it. I am afraid of what tomorrow holds. Because tomorrow is promised to no one. And if that sounds like you... Listen to these words again. The words that Jesus spoke from a boat 2,000 years ago. Peace. Be still. Do not be afraid. I have control. I have control over everything. I have control 
over your destiny, Jesus says. And I proclaim you righteous, holy. I proclaim you my sons and my daughters. You who were sinners, you who were broken, you who were mortal, I declare you forgiven. I declare you immortal. I declare you forever. Because I have that power, the power to die, the power to rise again, and I share that power with you again today in this place. The power of eternity. The power of forever. The power of Jesus is yours. Because he gave it to you. It's so hard to not get caught up. It's impossible to not get caught up in the here and now, in the moment, in the grief, in the fear, in the stress. But Jesus reminds us again today, there's more than the moment. There's more than the here and the now. There's more than the fear and the stress. There is the kingdom of God, a kingdom that endures forever. And that kingdom is yours. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, today we remember the one who has control, the one who has authority, has fixed us for eternity. As eternal, forgiven people, we embrace today and we look forward to tomorrow, knowing that our tomorrows last forever. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake. Amen.